Hello everyone, my name is Miranda Rodriguez and I'm the founder and marketing consultant at Marketing for the Uninhibited. I'm also your host for the Marketing Uninhibited podcast, a conversational podcast with rotating guests that challenge the way we think about marketing across industries. We aim to inform and inspire by keeping this simple, realistic, and fun. On this week's episode of the podcast, I have the privilege of sitting down with returning guest Rachel K. Albers of RKA Inc. Rachel is a marketer who hates marketing, and she's the founder and creative director of RKA Inc., a branding, web design, and digital marketing studio based outside of Chicago. She's also the host of the Awkward Marketing Show. Um, we're good friends at this point. Uh, we really didn't know each other last year, so it's been fun to see how uh, each of our businesses have grown, how our relationship has changed. Uh, we have some wine. We have a lot of laughs. We get kind of weird at the end, so I hope you enjoy this. And as you'll hear in the podcast, we're still looking for a wine and or whiskey sponsor. So if you're listening and you're interested, let me know. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next week. Did you see that? <laughs> and I just flicked it. Oh, God. So. Are you sure we can't use any of this? <laughs> I mean, you can use that. You can definitely use that. <laughs> okay. Are we good? Yeah. All right. Good? Okay. Hi. What's up, everybody? I'm Miranda from Marketing for the Uninhibited. And today my guest is Rachel from RKA Inc. Thank you for being here. Cheers. Thank you for the wine. Yes. I came for the alcohol. That's... Everybody does. That's it. why I'm here. Yeah, and the well, tacos. You and the taco. I got two steak tacos. <laughs> welcome to Aurora. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Mm. Got a nice crisp white for all of you listening in on audio. <laughs> yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? I do. I really do. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm RKA. I'm Rachel K. Alberts. I run a branding, web design, and marketing studio. I'm also a business comedian and the host of Awkward Marketing. I'm like... What does that mean? Yeah. I'm like the one woman SNL of biz comedy, biz TV, yeah. I like to say. I think Big Stefan is one of my favorites so far. Like, I, that, I watched that so many times, just the Stefan part. Like, how does she do that nasally voice? If you want more of that, you got to go see the episode. If what if websites were 80s dating videos, so you can meet Big Stefan. I'll give you a little behind the scenes about Big Stefan. Big Stefan was, is a family favorite because he is modeled after my Uncle Stefan. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Who Stephen. does kind of sound like that. Like, he doesn't look like like Big Stefan character that I did in that episode, but, um, yeah, he is, uh, he talks a little bit like oh this. And, uh, he's a family, he's a family fave. So I threw him in there to see, you know what, though, nobody, nobody made a comment, I think. It might have been borderline offensive, but I'm glad you enjoy Big Stefan. So. Wait, so nobody said anything? Does Big Does Uncle Stefan know that? I don't think is... Uncle Stefan watches Awkward Market. In fact, Uncle Stefan, you know, he's a pretty high rolling businessman, and he works for a big corporation. He's pretty high up there. He's, he makes good money. And we were talking about my business over Christmas, and he was like, "Why don't you make?" He's like, "Why don't you make people pay for Awkward Market? Why Why you give it to them for free? Oh, I think okay. you should. I think you should charge." <laughs> For each other. I'm like, Uncle Stefan, it's brand awareness. That is, it's top of the funnel. Right. This is not, no, you don't understand. But he doesn't get it. No. So, but no, nobody was like, wait a minute. That Stefan seems awfully familiar. I feel like that yeah. would have been in my family. Like, everyone would have received, like, an emergency message. Like, this is on you know the what? internet. Maybe they Someone's did it. making fun of you. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they did. Uncle Stefan, actually, I do quite a bit of... I have a whole Snapchat filter dedicated to my Uncle Stefan. Are Stephan, you serious? And he's not in on the joke. I don't know if okay. he would find it. Yeah. So anyway, for all of you wondering about Big Stefan, check that out. If websites were 80s dating videos. And Did you, you have him. to practice that for a while? I mean, in general, it is something I've been crafting and honing over the years. <laughs> it is one of my mainstays. It is just like my mom, you know, like my mom character. She's a she's a tried and true. Well, yeah, yeah and Stefan is a is another one of my, you know. What about the um, character that you took to your uh, the Amy? What was that called? I don't even know. Mastermind Live, yes. uh, which was an event that I did last month. Hosted by Sarah Christensen of Kick-Ass Masterminds. It was amazing. And, yeah, I spoke there, and I brought Brad the Braggy Bro. Yeah. Brad, yes, he's also a classic. <laughs> You'll be seeing more of Brad oh in the future. God. 
How do you come up with these? Like, who's the inspiration for Brad other mm. than... I can't name names. If mm-hmm. you if you check out Awkward Marketing and you go find my my episode on Brad the Braggy Bro, um, you can draw your own conclusions. It's it pretty obvious who my inspirations were for this character, but I'm not going to talk. Mm. I'm not going to diss anybody. But I like to say that, and this is actually what the speech that I gave, the keynote that I gave at this event, I like to say that my best content comes from the stuff that pisses me off. Yeah. So the stuff that makes me mad, and I, you know, I, I like to say that's a signal. Like if something's really irritating you about your industry, or you're finding something that's frustrating you, that's a signal that you've hit on one of your brand values. Like this is something that I want to do things differently. I want my brand to show up X or Y way in the marketplace. And so if I see something that's I'm ranting to a friend, or I'm really irritated about something, I'm like, oh, that could be an episode of awkward marketing. That's a good. And then I take the negative energy around this thing that's aggravating me or that's just like making me want to complain right. and whine and I transform it into something that pushes me forward as opposed to just being like whiny negative energy. And you continuing know? to talk yeah. about it without taking action. Yeah. Is that how awkward marketing started or, or was it like I need to get something out there? It was the latter. Yeah. Actually, no. <laughs> So awkward marketing was not like a strategic thing. It was like I started a Facebook live show. I did it every week. And oh, yeah, that's right. I had bought the domain. I had bought awkwardmarketing.com like years ago. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought, I don't know what I thought I was going to do with it. I had actually pitched the idea to a couple people that wanted to do maybe a podcast with me. I'm like, well, we could do something called awkward marketing. And they were like, mm. <laughs> not. And for a while, I was like getting this feedback. Who wants, you don't want to call the show awkward marketing because people don't want to be awkward in their marketing. Right. right? But then when I did this Facebook Live show, there would be days where, like, I would be act- I'd be like, what? I'd say something weird or, like, something would come out wrong. And I'd be like, what? Awkward. Awkward marketing. And then I started saying, oh, you can't spell awkward without RKA, you Ooh, know, which is my. There you go. Which you can't. You can't right. spell awkward without RKA. And then I just decided, hey, I got this domain. It's like, here it is. This is what it was always meant to be, awkward marketing. But. Then I did a couple special episodes. I did a musical, a live musical oh. special. And then I did a Halloween special where I did the five, top five awkward marketers. That's when I got the green screen. That's when I started oh. doing the characters. And I had Guy the Guilt Tripper. I had Curie the Copycat, Brad the Breggy Bro, Gigi the Girlypreneur, and Cassandra the Cultural Appropriator. Those were my five top oh, five awkward God. marketers. And it had such good reception um, that I was like, oh, wait, no, this is the show now. Right. This is what the show's going to become. I'm going to go off of Facebook Live. I'm going to make this a real thing. And that's how Awkward Marketing was born. But, yes, like the now the way that Awkward Marketing is today and, and is going forward, it's all about, like, the stuff that people are doing wrong in their marketing, the stuff that people hate, the, yeah. the sleazy stuff. It's, all of that is the inspiration. But instead of just dwelling on, like, oh, like you don't want to be a jerk. Like, yeah. I, I turn it into... A teachable, here's how you can move forward with your marketing and do something that really matters and and integrity. And so, yeah, that is that. And now, how long have you had this show? Since Um, even the inception, like on Facebook Two years. Yeah, two years. Two years. And how long have you been back in the U.S.? I moved back to the U.S. end of 2016, so it was right after that. Oh, wow. I do think that all marketing at first is awkward. Like, mm-hmm. anytime you're doing something new, whether, and even just now, with like, our introduction, talking about the introduction, I mean, this shit has been awkward the whole time. Like, yeah. it's just weird until you figure it out, and then you fe- you're like, oh, okay, but that could be 100 episodes in. And even then, I mean, I think, especially for most, most of my clients are small business owners, really small teams, mm-hmm. maybe five to ten people, and so when you are marketing your own company... It just feels awkward for most people. People who yeah. are not marketers feel uncomfortable doing their own marketing. Right. So awkward marketing kind of refers to, one, all of the like awkward, awful, crappy marketing that's out there in the world. But then, yes, as you just said, you just correctly pointed out, it also refers to the feeling that people have mm-hmm. marketing themselves. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it completely goes away because you're always pushing yourself and... Marketing is evolving and changing all the time, and we have to try new things, and that always feels awkward. So, do you ever have a like? So, you came up with that idea, but have you ever tested ideas that were not yours that you're like, this is probably not for me? Um, sure, yeah, of course, all the time. I mean, okay, so back in the day when I first started my business, I used to 
anytime I was in a real place of like desperation, I needed to make a quick buck and I would try different like sales. I would be like, hey, I did one year. I don't know what I was thinking. I did a name your own price sale. <laughs> For a website? Like, what was I think? I was like, name your own pro-. Like, and by the way, nobody bit that. And I'm really glad. I'm sure because they're like, I don't We don't trust you what with this. I'm going to. And I did some, I've just done, done some kind of promos and like quick, you know, make a book type things over the years. And every time I did that, it did not work. Right. I did not make any money. I didn't feel an integrity. I didn't know how to really push it out there. And uh, and it's it's never been the way whenever I'm in that place of desperation. So that for sure. And I'll tell you what, speaking of awkward marketing and speaking of like mm-hmm. not being not doing your own. When I first started out, there was all this like pressure. You have to have a blog. You have to create content. Yes. Uh, well, the content thing like right. over and over and over. And I did not know how, I have nothing to say. I, I didn't want to write blogs about like, how do you design a logo? Like, how do you make a word? Yeah. You know, I didn't want to do that. I didn't have any high level observations about my industry or I, I, I was very, I was very much a new beginner. All of the big guys like, you know, for example, Amy Porterfield, mm-hmm. Marie Forleo, Tim Ferriss, all these people were just at the beginning of their rise to the top. Right. And so in the, so what did I create? My first blog was I called it Awesomepreneur. It wasn't it was my first business blog. Mm-hmm. And it was and the tagline was work with heart. Oh. And it was all about because like I had it was like tied into my brand. Because I was RKA Inc. web design with heart. And then I also had a blog for living in Latin America because I lived in Mexico for right. years and it was living with heart. It was RKA in LA. RKA Ooh, in Latin America, and so it was our, it was living with heart. Right. So everything had heart in it. Is and that s- how you sign your emails too now? I still say with heart. It's like the only vestige of the past. It's the only <laughs> thing. But the rest is gone. Everything is also gone. But, so I wrote all this content about working with heart. And what does that even mean? It's meaningless. I mean, it's not meaningless. I feel bad. But I wrote this whole blog and created this whole digital magazine. I had a digital magazine for a little while. And it was because I didn't feel strong enough in my expertise industry-wise. Right. I felt like this was a way I could create content on sort of like a fluffy topic. Yeah. And, I mean, I had guest bloggers come in. I did interviews. It was a great op- experience, but it wasn't me. It was very much like me trying to be something that I yeah. wasn't and also trying to create content when I really had nothing to say about anything. And so I was like... How do you like infuse your business with love? Oh my god! <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. But how did you know that? What like? How did you know that it wasn't for you? It um, didn't feel right in my heart. No, I knew it was in, in my heart. heart. <laughs> <laughs> but it what? It didn't. It just like it, when it you was, know, you know. It, you know, it was just disingenuous. It was. It didn't excite me. Right. It didn't thrill me. It was. Um, but here's the thing, though. I think it's not if it wouldn't have been possible for me to come up with the concept of awkward marketing at that time. Because now, okay, so awkward marketing is my main vehicle of visibility and content that I'm creating. But uh, it was like a right place, right time type of a thing. Mm -hmm. Because the the access we have to tools to create high-level video production today versus 10 years ago when I started my business, um, my level of industry knowledge and kind of the observations I have now today I feel like oh gosh it's all come together like I've got a background in theater and yeah. comedy and then my marketing expertise and like I'm saying something but I couldn't have started there so it was almost like sometimes you have to go through there's no way here's what I'm gonna say a lot of my clients and a lot of people I see brand crastinate mm-hmm. they're always trying to find the perfect thing so they're like is this the perfect thing is that the person perfect thing is this it is this is is this it and then they never actually do it they never right. actually try and stick with it because right doing it one time doesn't count right exactly so they're trying to find they're like okay what's the thing that is my thing the thing the big thing the great thing the it's me gonna make thing. me make it and you don't know you don't know until you do it and right. as you said you do it consistently and you try it and you and sometimes you're going to do things and it's not going to be the ultimate yeah. thing. And you have to be okay with that. Like you have to surrender to like, it's all right if this thing that I'm doing isn't going to be like the be all end all of my business or of my content or of my strategy or whatever. So 
I could ne- I it was only through the the wrong path that I could get to the right one. But how did you know yeah. when to pull the plug on your your blogazine magazine? It, it kind of naturally came to it, it, in that case I think it kind of came to an end. It became too much work with absolutely no <laughs> It wasn't making me any money. Um and so I had to get really honest with myself about where I'm putting my time and where my profits lie and that kind of thing. So that, and I'll tell you what, so the pulling the plug on that digital magazine came around the same time that I pulled the plug on my web design with heart tagline in general. Oh, really? So it all kind of... And I had a client that was like walking all over me and treating me like crap. And she was like, I thought, and I was setting limits with her and I'm like, no, we can't do, you know, here's the contract. These are the terms. We have to stay within this. And she was like, I thought that you were with heart. I thought that you had a heart. And that was her way of saying, I thought you would let me walk all over you and you would never put a boundary up. And that's when I realized, oh, this heart thing is not serving me. Not only does it not really truly feel like me, it felt like kind of just like one tiny version of me. Um, that I was, I had like all these things I was trying to prove to the world. Like, I'm a good person. Look at me. You know? Yeah. Well, I think in the beginning yeah. you do because yeah. you feel like you don't have a lot to say in your industry if you're a beginner and then you're like insecure about things. And mm-hmm. so that's, yeah. I mean, all this. And then it's like daddy issues, et cetera. Yeah. Well, we all have those. <laughs> Line them up, girl. <laughs> right? That's for the after hours oh podcast. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then this woman, that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, I'm done. I'm getting web design with heart out of it. It felt very small time at that point. It felt like I was limiting myself. And so then it was like, gone, girl. You're out. R.I.P. R.I.P. But I feel like a lot of people don't pull the plug because they put in so much time and they put in that effort and they are like so sad to see it go that they can't and they don't realize that that is what's holding them back the whole time like it's never gonna work move on i know and i don't it's hard to explain that to someone like yes go ahead and put all that you've got into this for the next six months but if it doesn't work we're just gonna leave it yeah, that is hard to, to understand. I think especially if you're not a marketer or you're not, so, you know, you I know that's what you do with your clients. Mm-hmm. You create marketing strategies. You help them get their business in front of more people. Um, people want to come to a marketing strategist or a web designer or a branding person, a copywriter, and they want you to give them, like, this magic key. One magic. They want right. this. Right. They want next month my business to be back up in like in the green. And you know, what's funny is on the way here to record this podcast, I was listening to another podcast called Household Name. Ooh. And it's really great. It's all about how these kind of big brands became big, big brands. brands. And so the episode I was listening to was all about the pumpkin spice latte and how it became like the emblem of basic bees, if yeah. you will, right? And the guy who pioneer who made it basically they've got a little lab they've got a starbucks lab and they just go in there and they just mess around with coffee and different tastes and they literally were just like mixing together pumpkin pie and espresso and like just seeing how to create the perfect and like they realized while i think it was it was among many things they were mixing espresso with but i mean they have a lab that they're constantly testing new flavors they're constantly seeing what's going to work, what doesn't work. Then they roll it out in a few stores. They see how that goes. Mm-hmm. They roll it out in more stores. They, they see how that goes. And, yeah, there are. I mean, if you remember, speaking of Starbucks, there was that whole unicorn frac- frappuccino yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and then there was, like, a million other weird ones. Yeah, and it's like it got a ton of blowback, and people were like, oh, my gosh, there's a 7,000 grams of sugar in this. And it's like, yeah. but if you don't have the unicorn frappuccino, which was a fail, in my opinion. Right. I don't know, actually, the numbers, but... Then you also don't have the PSL. Exactly. That's how you get the PSL is by messing around. And I don't think people realize that, yeah, it is experimentation. Now, you're experimenting from a strategic place. Right. You're not just literally like throwing spaghetti at the wall, exactly. i.e. or the coffee cup. You're not throwing marinara into a coffee cup. You know? yes. <laughs> like, but... And you don't like do and put every single idea out there. Right. Either you've got to talk to somebody about it first. You but know? marketing is very much like testing theories. It, it really is. Over and, then finding, and over. Yeah. And then, you know, you test 10 theories and four. I mean, even that is a lot. But like one works, you know, yeah. one goes. And so... 
And you have to do it, I feel like you almost have to test faster because so many, well, like we were saying, pulling the plug. But that made me think of um, Sam Adams Brewery. Have you ever been to Boston? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But not to the brewery. But exactly. I got you. I had a mouthful <laughs> of wine for all you Girl. people on audio. Oh, yep. we should have brought the bottle over here. Marshall, can you bring us the bottle? Bring that bottle Please. over here. Wine break. Wine break. This should be like a regular kind of can commercial break. Can we just break. cut that and I'll just insert it in every wine one? Break, wine break. <laughs> da, 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 da. And you should get yourself sponsored by like. Um, I want a whiskey we... sponsor. Uh, uh, why aren't we? Is there whiskey too? Are we gonna well, do that? Yeah, what? Well, now that I said that, I don't even have the whiskey here. Damn it! Damn you, whiskey acres! You really need to get yourself a wine sponsor. Uh, I'm saying that right now, and you're not cutting this from the podcast. Okay. We're going to get that wine sponsor. and if I could uh, get a wine and a whiskey sponsor. I like that. Manifest. Yes. Go big or go. There. Yes. We're well, putting you know, our attention into the universe. I'm on this um, committee, so there's a local um, abused women and children shelter here in Aurora, and I'm on their gala committee this year. They're going to do a wine and whiskey poll. Wine and whiskey. So you can pay $30 and you can pull. You pick the end you want. Like, yeah, this is my type of What event. is a pull? Wait a minute. Hold on. Educate me. A pull? Okay. Yeah. So it's just a charity event thing. So right. basically, you give $25 to the person standing there and you get to pick a bottle of wine. And it could be the bottles of wine usually oh. range in price from like $9 to cool. $100. I'm into that. So you could... Win or you could not. I mean, you're still winning because you get wine. You get so. wine. But exactly. it, we want to try it with whiskey. So we're going to work on that. And How about that? Wouldn't that be? I'd rather pull whiskey than wine. I can go buy wine. Maybe you can go buy whiskey too. Yeah, but it's more fun to win the, a yeah. bottle of whiskey. Yeah. Go true. home with that. Shit. That's true. There's lots of cool whiskeys out there. All right. Yeah. From our lips to God's ears, we're going to get you a wine and whiskey sponsor. Yes. How about that? It. Oh, well, okay. I'll wrap back to Sam Adams real quick. Yeah. Their testing facility is Mm -hmm. in their original, like, brew house now. So they have their distribution centers in Cincinnati, but they're, so now where they originally started making it, like, their craft brewery is the testing facility. I I love it. that, like, ten times. I love it. It's like how the original Ronald, like, the original McDonald's is now... Like a museum? Actually, yeah. that's totally not the same thing. But Because kind of. it is a museum. You get a tour. You don't get to test hamburgers, though. No, so. but it's beer. I don't know. I'd rather have beer. I would definitely rather have beer. Yeah. But afterwards, you're like, I need McDonald's, you <laughs> right. know, depending on how much you have. So, yeah, but it's all about you got to test. You got to test. You got to experiment. And uh, I think here's the thing is that people will brand crastinate around as long as there are no stakes. And so in my case, what was like a blessing and a curse or a blessing, but was that um, right around the time that my business really started to scale up, I got married, I became the breadwinner like Mm -hmm. in my family. You know, now these days I've got a daughter, I've got a little baby. Wait, can we talk about that breadwinner part? Yeah, sure. I've never asked you like how that came to be. I just assumed your career took over. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, so my husband is from Mexico, and it's a totally different economic situation right. down there. Um, his background and his resume is such that he would only be able to make a certain amount of money yeah. for the rest of his life, right? And Oh, not for the rest of his life, but like the amount of money that he was making compared to the amount of money that my business was making, it was just so different Mm -hmm. it made more sense like when we decided that I was going to be the sole earner it was so that you know he could focus on taking care of the house taking care of helping me kind of being my assistant and doing some tasks within the business now that we have a baby he is the stay-at-home dad he is taking care of I mean I don't even know where the toaster is in my kitchen I mean that is I am for real and I, I know that. that's true because that's I'm not the first you've time been you, and you've been to my house and I'm like where's <laughs> the house. I don't understand um I you know he had a part-time job last year when I was pregnant and I would call him and be like where's the frying pan oh my god so he really does a great job of taking care of the home but that was really it. it was that it just didn't make as much economic sense as him kind of being able to keep everything on the house side running so that I could focus all of my attention on the business. 
And what that did was it created stakes for me. And now those stakes, I mean, they're just higher and higher every day. And oh, they're going to only And they're only going to get higher. Okay, you can drink wine now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Pardon me. Okay, you got any whiskey? All right. Uh, sponsor. Yeah. So, yeah, no, but it keeps you forcing to iterate. You have to make tough decisions faster. You have to say, is this profitable? Is this not? It's not a hobby. This isn't like, I do think that there's a difference in the energy of a business when there is pressure on it yes and at the same time the grass is always greener because i i look at people who are running businesses and they've got a little bit of economic support Mm -hmm. you know and it's like oh wouldn't it be nice to spend this year like slowly scaling and just you know i would love to luxuriate in a in a pivot for my business (laughs) i don't have that luxury you know you don't but and i think you need to have the skin in the game otherwise you never take it that seriously right you're not making decisions you're and that's what keeps you being like well maybe i'll maybe yeah no you got to do it or you don't you do it or you don't right because all the clients i have they either are trying to if they have like income from some, some other revenue stream that they're comfortable with and they like that they don't hate like they need to leave their job tomorrow then they move so much slower but then there are the ones that you talk to and they're like no like i, I have to quit my job i don't want to yeah. do this anymore and yeah. they're willing to take the risks and when you think about the risks that we're talking about it's not like I mean, I'm asking you to put your face on social media. Right. Or like, you know, put your Instagram story on for right. 10 seconds. Right. I'm not asking you to jump off, like go bungee jumping or something crazy. Well, that would be great for your numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it would be wonderful I mean, if you put it on Instagram stories. I, <laughs> then make sure you tag everybody. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And, and people just move faster when there's a fire under their butt. And so that's... I mean, this is a different thing, but you know, one company that's super brilliant is the diet. Have you heard about Diet Bets? Diet Bets. Diet Bets. Diet Bets. It's basically, I don't know if that's the name of the company. I think it is. But basically, it is a company that you go in and you will pay them like $100 or $20 or whatever. You'll bet on yourself. Oh, yes. Yes. And it's like you're giving them 50 bucks. And right. if I lose 10 pounds by March, then I will get my, my 50 bucks back. But if I don't, I don't know how they how they prove it. I've never done a diet bet, but I think it's brilliant. I think about it all the time. <laughs> because you have to have skin in the game. <laughs> but that but that's what's so brilliant about it. And so I think it's it's the same type of a thing. That's why when people make investments in their business, when they invest in coaching or they invest in a mastermind, they invest in a website, mm-hmm. they invest in a marketing strategist, all these things, it does either it accelerates their success or it accelerates their failure. <laughs> and then, you know? From the flip side, when you think about your pricing in that way and you want it to be an investment for the person on the other side so that they take it seriously. Exactly. Otherwise, they're like, meh, like $300, it's yeah. whatever. Like if I don't use this, I don't yeah, need to move exactly. forward with it. But then they don't, and they don't necessarily take you seriously. Because if you, and this is hard to figure out in the beginning. Yeah. If you don't take yourself seriously. Yeah. Which sometimes you may not feel like you know shit, but you got to go out there and sell it. So, <laughs> I mean, but, it, and honestly, I don't think if, it, well, maybe there are other people out there that really don't know shit and like are trying to sell their services. Yes, I don't know. Yes, there are, but yeah, sure. Okay, for well, sure, forget for sure. those people, but. <laughs> Don't be that person. <laughs> However, you need to like just be confident in your skills. And like you had a great call today. That's always nice to have that client feedback to reinforce yes. what it is you're doing. And you've been doing this for 10 years yeah. and you still need that. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah, I have an episode of Opera Marketing about this that's like people will treat you like the expert. People will treat you the way that you show up. Exactly. So if you show up as an expert and as competent, then people are going to treat you that way. Right. And yes, I think it's a good point. That does. It's not just about showing up and being like, I know things, but it is. How are you pricing yourself? Mm-hmm. It is. How are you positioning yourself in the marketplace? How? What does your brand look like? What does your website yes. look like? Um, I talk a lot about. I was having this conversation. Uh, just the other day with Mike Ganino, who mm-hmm. is a keynote speaker. He is a storytelling coach, a brand storyteller. He's amazing. And he was talking about if you want to get on those bigger stages, like if you want to be a keynote speaker and right. you want to be commanding ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a, a speech, well, what does your website look like? Or what is your yeah. what are your brand what does your brand look like? How are you showing up in the world? Are you showing up like a ten thousand dollar speaker? Exactly. And if you are, 
that really does lubricate the wheels for you to reach those goals. Mm -hmm. And so I do think that, okay, so we're talking about pricing, we're talking about kind of leading clients. You really do have to kind of show up and yeah, you know, making it, putting some skin in the game, making it an investment, that's a huge way to kind of hold yourself accountable. It is. And I go back and forth between like, okay, being confident and taking myself seriously and then having to be like, "Mm, you can calm down now. Like, it's not that serious, you know? (laughs) Like, with the testing thing, you can't hold on to everything that tightly and take it that seriously. You can still take yourself seriously and your pricing seriously and your your business. But with testing and marketing, and that's where I get frustrated with people in marketing because they're always like, do you ever have people approach you and they're like, oh, okay, well, how would you fix my company? Like you're in marketing, what would you what like? Yes, of course. I was I was a maid of honor in a wedding, and the makeup hairstylist was like, "Oh, yeah," or the makeup artist was like, "Yeah, yeah." Like I need help with my. I'm like, "Oh, but I'm like three glasses of champagne in, <laughs> and I'm a maid of honor, so you know, like I'd like to just relax." <laughs> I mean, yes, that happens to me all the time. And people are like, how would you, you know, can you just come in here and like tweak this up? Right. And that would be, segue, but that would be the case for having a signature system. Speaking of positioning yourself as an expert, showing up as an expert so that people Mm -hmm. can treat you that way, having a signature system and a process that you take people through is the answer to that question. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, I've got a friend who needs a website. How much do you cost? I can easily, first of all, I just know by that question, I'm like, no, they're not for me. I'm going to refer you out. Yes. Uh, But I will say, you know, what we specialize in is is taking brands from zero to 60. And Mm -hmm. we're going to do this through this framework, this process. And that answers the question of like, what would you do? What would I do for your business? Well, first I would do a strategy call where we would do da 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 da. And then I would do a strategic planning process. And then I would do six months of blank. And then I would do review, you know? Yeah. That's what I would do because that's what, and so that is a really good answer to those types of questions. Yeah, that's good. It's like, I've got this process. I've got this system. And processes and systems make people feel taken care of. It makes them feel safe. Yeah. Versus, like, if you're you're a service provider, if if you offer one-on-one consulting, creative services, Having a system you can put people in immediately makes them feel better about spending their money with you. Yes, because it's organized. Right. And then they trust the process. Right. And they trust and even And they trust you and what you're saying yes. and they and as opposed to just like I'm giving you my money and like what's happening next. You know, they don't so I think it, it, it just giving them years ago before right now I've got a really, really structured process that I take people through mm-hmm. when I work with them. I've been through it. And yes, you have. <laughs> And I had a client before this was ever created, like back when it was like really, you know, like a bunch of Google Forms or something before there was even Google Forms. Which is like, that's okay to start there too. You got to mm-hmm. figure your shit out before you can like build it out. The oh, way yeah, you have exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm not dissing on Google oh, Forms, no. but I had these forms. And I had a client being like, wow, everything is so organized. <laughs> everything is so streamlined. I feel so taken care of. And that was a ding, ding, ding moment for mm-hmm. me where I was like, oh. I need more of this. Yes. I need to take this to the next level. So I kind of streamlined that over the next few years, and then it became what you've experienced through my course, and mm-hmm. I, I take my clients through. Um, but yeah, like that feeling of being held will really make a, a client feel really good about spending their money with you. It'll make them so for me and for you, mm-hmm. you know, you're offering people creative solutions, and if you're doing that at a budget price. And in a willy-nilly way with no structure, yeah. you're going to give them your solution. They're going to be like, mm. they're going to take it and be like, I don't know. And then they're going to like micromanage it. They're going to be like, what about this? And what about yeah. that? And what about this? And what about that? And for me, I'm a designer. I also create strategies for people. So when I hand over a design, I used to have clients being like, my uncle like once designed something for his <laughs> church group. And he thinks this should be in this spot. Right. And so I used to let that happen to me, but now the, by creating this structure and the system and kind of positioning myself as I am leading this process, my client is not leading this process, it affects the feedback they give to me. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and I keep the feedback really streamlined so that they, 
and actually, it's so funny. It's like, so now I've got a kid. I've got a baby. So it's like parenting. They say that like kids <laughs> love structure. They need structure. Oh, they, they do. need limits. Yeah. They're looking to you as the parent to create this like safe space. And like they, when they're testing the boundaries, they want you to say no in a way, right? Yeah, There's a healthy way. way to do that. There's a right. non-healthy way. But that's the same thing with clients. You need that structure. And the client actually... Because it they, helps them be their best. If you, you know? hold them to the standard, if there is a standard to uphold and then you're helping them to get there, which is what you're doing in these situations, or with parenting too, like you're giving them the opportunity to show up for themselves because you, like the the webinar, you, I would have gotten nothing out of that had I not shown up and like done the homework. And there were some things that I didn't do and then I was like having to go back and do. I'm like, oh, why didn't I do it the first time? Like why, you know? Why did I wait till now? And that's a hard thing, too, because then it is like parenting sometimes. And it's like, what? You had homework to do and you didn't do it. And now, we, yeah, look at you. Look at you now. Look at you now. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> you can't yell at Alice yet. She's No, I yelling. can't. No, she's, she's a baby. You can't yell yeah. at babies. No, no yelling at babies. <laughs> Not yet. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's – and also by taking a leadership role with your clients – you allow them to focus on what they do best. So for me, my client is not best served by becoming a designer in our process, right? right? Yeah. They need to trust me and let me be the expert designer. Mm -hmm. And they need to be the expert of their business. And so when I keep a really strong structure and I keep a leadership role in the relationship, as much as like some type of client might chafe and be like, wait a minute, I'm used to being the, the, I'm used to being the big dog around here. And in my house, it's like people are paying me, but then you're coming into my house. These are my rules. Yeah. And yet that allows my... Otherwise, the client is spending all of their time. They're, they're, in, in my case, I find that people use the micromanagement of the process as a way to distract from the things they don't want to be doing in their yeah. own business. Like, And they're scared about the rebrand or they're scared about launching this new site. They don't want to have to right. do X, Y, or Z. And so by taking that leadership role... I am kind of like turning them right around and being like, no, 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 your job is not to, you know, freak out about what what shade of yellow I'm yeah. using in this button. <laughs> your job is to do your thing and your let me do my work. thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Because when you don't do that, what happens is if they're dissatisfied, it's all your fault. But it's really, truly because they didn't show, do the work. Yeah. yeah. But then it, it's always your fault because they're paying you. And so that's like you it have to hold always oh, your fault Rachel jeez so that's where it's like if, if and if it's not structured because I've struggled with this too where like it's one-off work and then they're like oh well that didn't really work for me and I'm like but you didn't you didn't do what I said but I also didn't structure it yeah. in a way that they had to show up yeah for those things so how okay when you launch your webinar because we did the beta test the course the yeah of course yeah. yeah were you scared yeah like, it took you a long time to actually press launch. On I have had my course, like, most of the content, like, I'd say 70% of the content was done for years. And it was like, okay, I'm going to launch it in May. Wait, wait, I'm going to launch it in September. Wait, I'm going to launch it in January. I'm going to launch. And I did that dance for almost two years where I was like, I'm going to launch and going to launch and going to launch and going to launch. And finally, I have a peer-led mastermind group. And they were like, girl, you're going to launch in November. That's it. And Because I was like, I'm going to in the new year no you're gonna launch now <laughs> this is like two weeks out they're like you're gonna launch now i'm like i'm not ready it's not done it's not perfect and yeah i was really i'd never done i had never done my own launch i had launched for clients but i'd never done my own launch i'd never done webinars i'd never done a like my own funnel like that i'd done other funnels but i had never no and uh it's so funny because it's like you always find out like that the answers were inside me all along. Yeah, I was gonna ask. So who did you look to? Were the, was there someone you were emulating, like someone's processes that you were like, okay, that worked for her, so let me put this into place? Or did you just go with what you thought was the right? Move? Well, I have written launch plans for different clients yeah. and different types of business models, so I really just cobbled together. I I did a combination of what I had at hand, so it was like okay. I had a tight timeline, so I had to put together the strategies that I knew I could implement in less than two weeks. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. 
So, so when, what's your process in that situation? Do you write it, or are you just like thinking about it? Is it like Google yeah? I, cre- I created kind of an over and over. Okay. Thank you. You were so generous. She just filled up my cup yeah. and not even her own. I feel like oh, you you're fine. Yeah, I you're have good. another bottle. <laughs> I know us. I'm like mm, got two <laughs> in the bag for this one. Um. So yeah, I do create kind of a. I, I created a loose plan, and I I will say yes. I study launches. So I wrote a recent article lately about B school. Right now, as we record this, yeah. B school launch is going Live. on. Marie mm-hmm. Marie Forleo is is doing her. This is her tenth year, by the way. So it's like that it's is so really crazy. We've all kind of yeah. grown up together. Yeah, even though she's like my big, big, big sister, and I'm like, I was an infant, and she was a teen. <laughs> she was already off in college. Yeah, she was. I mean, <laughs> and like, hey. That was my si- My sister was in second grade when I was in my freshman year, and she called me. They moved, this is total tangent, but they moved me down, like they, my parents let me drive them down one day, my sisters. So they saw my apartment, I drove them back home, and then I moved there, and the, the second grader called me, and she was like, so have you had any parties in there yet? <laughs> Like, <laughs> come again <laughs> that is my it sounds really familiar to my relationship with Marie Forleo I call her I'm like girl what's up you having, you having any parties or what <laughs> um, but yeah no so I wrote an article about Peace School I love that story I love it and that's funny because I was 14 when my youngest sister was born so oh, exactly very yeah. similar but um, yeah no I wrote this article about the B-School launch and kind of observing it. And there's a lot of people speaking of, like, negative energy and whiny, oh, complaining yeah. energy. Every time there's a launch of anything, people love to just bitch about it. Mm-hmm. And so B-School is a really popular one because it's been going on for 10 years. And there's all these affiliates that it's promote crazy. B-School. And, yeah, if you follow those affiliates, you're going to get a ton of oh, marketing. you're bombarded. Yeah, you are. And you can choose to be like, I'm so annoyed. Or, which is like, dude, just unsubscribe. It's right. one click. I mean, how hard is it? Or you could observe this launch, especially if your business is not as mature as the people who are doing the affiliate marketing or, or Marie, and you could learn from it, right? I think, yeah, because everything you said in that blog post was like on point because I'd just been putting them, well, I was deleting some of them, but then when I read I know, yours, me too. Then I was like, oh, no, she's right. I create a filter, put it in a folder. Yeah. And then when you are ready to launch, go to that folder and look at the mechanics right. of so of of these launch emails. So I have been studying launches for years. All, like bad launches, good launches, you know, launches of different types of things. So so my strategies are the same strategies that I work, use with my clients. I'm going to use certain tactics that are going to work with your personality and your audience. Um but I'll be honest with you, when I did my launch, it was like, okay, what can I do in the time that I have? I couldn't create elaborate, oh, like, yeah. I couldn't create, like, sequences for this guy or right. this guy or this guy. I had to create one nurture sequence. Mm-hmm. I had to create one webinar. I had to create one sales page. And one, that was it. It wasn't like I could create, you know, variations. You didn't and have I could, time. Yeah. Again. I had, like, like a, a few ads that I ran. That was it. You know, and um, and I had to kind of use, absolutely, it was a theory. It was a test. And I had to be okay with that. Yeah. Like, this is not going to be the beat. This is the first. This is a beta launch. Right. Of hopefully many. And I had to be okay. And it was, you know what? the Speaking of, okay, there was skin in the game. But then there was also, the timeline was good. Because it forced me to just go and do yes. it. I think that's a big one. You can't, you have to give yourself, because if you give your like, oh, okay, I'm going to give myself six months. Like, Well, that's no, what I did. Not. And I never launched. Right. So then it was like, you're doing it, girl, in two weeks. And then I did it. And uh, and it was funny and was great about it was after I did the launch, people were like, wait a minute, this was you cobbling it together. Yeah. <laughs> this so was like, your this beta was like test. my half ass launch. <laughs> I just like kind of launched. And they were like, what? <laughs> And that helped to make me feel like, okay, you know what? And I think that that's the story for most business owners. We go out there, we try something, we're like, "Mm, I look pathetic. And then other people are like, I mean, damn, girl, that looked amazing. If that's your half-ass, then... Because, and you know what? I think, I don't think you do things half-ass, but I think if you did, everyone would know. If you truly, truly, truly did it, like, 
half-assed. But that was half-assed. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> you had a, a dashboard. You had. All I mean, these okay, things. yeah. No, I guess you're right. It's. It's yeah. not half-assed. Listen, what I okay, I've done Seth Godin's um, marketing seminar. Yeah. Um, and it first of all, it's just not. Well, he's a very simple man. Like it's it was black <laughs> and white. Okay, you know, he's very intelligent, but like he, the color scheme was black and white. Yours was like. Just like your brand, your logo, everything colorful, but then it was way more just intricate, like in terms of, and his is meant to be 100% self-guided and led by the community. Yeah. So there are different structures there. However, the number of people that I've talked to, even in there, that like wanted more structure, like we were talking about with parenting, because it's overwhelming. That community is so huge that it either needs to be divided into smaller sub-communities right. so you can actually interact. And he gives you tips for how, like, you know, find your friends, tag, yeah, tag yeah, people, yeah. Yeah, comment yeah. on five. But still, there. I mean, there are so many people in there that if you get behind and, like, your friends leave you and you don't it's comment. One, it's a daily thing, right? It's daily. I had no idea that it was going to be daily. Maybe I missed that part of it. <laughs> I saw, like, sign up now, and it'll be cheaper. And I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and I'm happy I did because it got me it got me to a, a good place. But then I could no longer sustain it because I was working weddings on the weekends. I was working six days a week and then trying to do homework every single day. And it's not like, like one, you know, it was in-depth homework. It was like... It was. It make your brain hurt sometimes thinking about these things in your business, and then all of a sudden you're like reconsidering your whole life and your whole business. Like maybe I just shouldn't be here. Like, I, let me it's check. An, it's an interesting again. approach because actually I haven't done that. I haven't done Seth's school, so I don't know about it. But it's interesting. It's almost like okay, I was talking to my client last night, and she was. It's it's a new, it's a startup in Australia, and they've got this brilliant idea. I mean, they're gonna take the market by storm. Um, but she was comparing herself to Marie. She was like, oh, well, what about Marie Forleo does this on her website and that on her website? And she does this, this, and this. And she, she was wonderful because she really took my leadership graciously. But I was like, well, here's the thing about Marie. If Marie Forleo were to start from scratch today, she wouldn't have the website she has today. She has earned that website. And I mean that in the sense of like, she doesn't have to work as hard in terms of explaining what she does. She doesn't have to be as like clear and explicit in her copy. People go to her website and they already know. They know who she is. Yeah, exactly. They know her brand. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's the thing with Seth is like, he has earned the right to yes. be able to take his genius and be like, Bleh. like yeah. here is all of my brilliance deal with it right. and this is my and you're paying for that um but if a brand new course creator were to take his seminar and use it as the guide for their course it would that work. would be a disaster yeah. that would be so i think that's really important it's like okay so seth has earned the right to be able to just like yeah. vomit value on you to the <laughs> point where you're like i don't know who vomit i am value? anymore is that the title of this <laughs> vomit value <laughs> but i mean and, and that's true. And I think people forget that. So, like, when you look at Amy Porterfield or Seth Godin or any one of them, they're not, like, if you look at square one, my favorite is Joe Rogan's first podcast episode because he's done 1,500 podcasts now. His first ever podcast episode, we watched it the other night. They're, like, snowflakes falling down. They're playing with the graphics. He literally picks his nose. On video because he's like, I don't know, is anyone like, oh, you guys don't like the snowflakes? Like, he's like, uh-huh. it's him and his friend, and they're just high as hell. And oh, man. And now, and then even when they get to like episode 200, it's still his same comedian friends. Yeah. And it's not until, I mean, this this month probably has been his biggest month. I mean, he's got like Travis Barker, he's got all these, he's got the greats now. Like he's he's has established himself after ten years yeah. as a great, and now everyone else is gravitating towards him, and that's, I mean, he had Elon Musk on, like you don't just get Elon Musk. Was that the episode where Elon Musk talked about smoking pot or actually smoked he did pot? Smoke he pot. smoked pot. Oh my! People were freaking out. His stock dropped. His <laughs> stock dropped. 
In Tesla. Everybody's stock drops, okay? No, but it was immediate. <laughs> the next day. But then it went back up, right? Yeah. That's what it, it got. It went higher. I know a lot about stocks, and what I know is when things happen in the news, <laughs> it drops, but then they go back up a lot of the time. But I don't know. Soon we're about to go into a recession, and that's what I've heard, okay? <laughs> this is, you heard it here You first, heard it here folks. first. We're going into a recession. I'm nervous. I'm scared. What does that mean for small business owners? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this is this is the very little I know. What I know is that, um, <laughs> first of all, you should follow Kristen Fox. She Kristen Fox was like is an amazing glass ceiling breaking stock exchange. Oh, really? Badass. She started the Brazen Network. She is like a she is a big deal. But so follow her because she actually knows about this stuff. But what I know is, okay, f- you know, you're going to have to position your business around the thing that people need and that they can't live without, yeah. you know? And so for me, when I look at my business model, like our, our existing mm. business is going to still need marketing and, and design and branding. Yes. Yes. Could my DIY services suffer during the re- during a, a recession? Yes, because people will have less disposable income yeah. to want to start a new business. Right. Versus an existing business still has to market because if they don't market, they're going to be screwed. Yeah. You know, so that's I, that's the best thing I can say about how to. Uh, it's scary to think about, proof. but yeah. I think yeah, that's all you can do is just I don't know people. They just don't listen to their audience enough, I think, at the end of the day. It's like you go out there with the business and you want to, like, vomit value on them, but you're not Seth Godin yet, so you can't just, like, force this product on them. You actually have to listen to their opinions and their feelings and see what's working. And yeah. if you actually listen to what Seth Godin says or read his books, that's what he's telling you to do. But he, I mean, he can do it at a much faster rate and a higher cost. At this point, he is, right, you, he has earned the right to be able to create a community that may or may not truly be the best incubator for results, right? right. I mean, I haven't done his program, so I can't speak to it. But based on what you've said in this, yeah. this moment, it's like, is this the best structure for the biggest results? Probably not. That said, it's a it's a an affordable way to get advice from Seth Godin, right? Oh, like yeah. on a higher level, right? right? So I mean in that way it is what but um the where am I thing? going? Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> where am I <laughs> where are we going? Other this is time for our whiskey sponsor. Oh, Hold yeah, on. Just... Give us a short break. Our whiskey sponsor is gonna come in here and Do you want more wine? <laughs> Can you open the other bottle of wine? See, this is why I have to do it with Marshall. I love this. By the way, this is adorable. Also, (laughs) they feel like illustrated, like beautifully written. Oh, do you know Marshall's an artist? Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. He won't talk about it, but he is. He's. Have you been um, on the podcast? No. No. That's how we met. This. Yeah, someone referred him to me as a guest on the podcast, and suggested that. And then you fell in love. <laughs> and that's it. Goodbye. And scene. 